0: Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au. Predict Australia's score with a crystal ball. And it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 finals. all thanks to McDonald's. Backers, together and loving
1: it. TNCs apply. Great form by you hitting play on this podcast. Now, check out Same Racer, the brand new racing app for Same Race multi-tips. Same Racer. Download from the App Store and Google Play. Powered by Bluebet. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858.
0: Your top four, your Mount Rushmore of top sportsmen who have gone on, or well, sportswomen who have gone on to become top sports sportscasters. Um, now, I don't know if he's quite there yet, but a man that is definitely well on the way joins us on the phone now. Uh, Jacob Spoonley, how are you, sir?
1: Average. Where were you going with average uh, athletes and average sportscasters, Ricardo, and then you introduce
0: me. They've, they've got, they've, they've... <laughs> Mate, I, to be fair, I was I was trying to I was trying to give you the ups. So I was trying. To, so he's not quite there yet in terms of the Mount Rushmore, but he's on his way. Come on, come on. <laughs>
1: Absolutely not, Ricardo. Just battling away. Battling Absolutely away. Battling Bat-
0: away, mate. Battling away. It's one for you to think on, Jacob. Though, I mean, if you were going to chuck somebody on the Mount Rushmore of uh, top athletes who had become top broadcasters in the sporting realm, um, who'd be up there? Do you reckon?
1: Genuinely, I think Ian Smith is one of the um, best uh, broadcasters that we've produced as a country, and he can go toe to toe with anyone in the cricket world. After a fairly um, impressive cricketing uh, career mate so um, I'm not here to pump his tires but that's my genuine um, thoughts on that particular man he's the first person to spring to mind Um, there's a couple in the NFL that I think you would be doing well to replicate as well the likes of Tony Romo and Chris Collinsworth Um, they they go all right mate
0: they go, all right. Okay, that's good. Well, we're going to uh, announce our Mount Rushmore of uh, great athletes who have become great sportscasters. At the end of the show, you can get your thoughts through to us on double eight double that is the bid post text machine, 8883, uh, keen to hear from you. But let's talk football, Jacob. Um, Got to say, disappointed with what we saw out of the Phoenix in Newcastle on the weekend, although I suppose at least it wasn't 4-0, <laughs> like it had been the two yeah. games before.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Look, I think when you look at how the Phoenix has started against um, Adelaide United, it was probably a point gained against the Central Coast. I think it was two points dropped. And then we saw a pretty average performance out of the team away at uh, Newcastle. For me, the common thread amongst those three matches and the performances in those games has been the defence. It's simply not been good enough. They've conceded six goals in three matches, two of which have been at home. Um, And if you wanted to be nice, you'd say that a number of those goals are preventable, particularly the goals against Central Coast and Newcastle. If you wanted to be harsh, you'd say some of them are soft. And if the Phoenix want to compete in the top four, which they've got the potential to, they really need to give themselves a much more sound foundation.
0: It's interesting. I I spoke to Ufuk Tale last week on the Phoenix Nation show that we have here on SENZ every Thursday at 3. And I said that I thought that the uh, goal that the Central Coast Mariners went ahead with looked to be a a positioning fault from our two uh, defensive midfielders, Ugarkovic and and Clayton Lewis, because it looked like midfield just opened up um, for... I can't remember who the player was now. To, to was it de Silva to, to to run onto the ball and and you know have a, sh- Silver. a free, yeah, Silvera, Sorry, a, a free shot from the edge of the area. Um, he said he he thought that those two, even though they're quite similar, can play together. Um, but I think the Phoenix looked better with a Pennington or a Roofer alongside either a, a Lewis or a Ugarkovic, a an out and out defensive stopper. You know, you know what I mean. And and I wonder whether or not yep. we um, you know that. that sort of came to light again against Newcastle with Clayton Lewis getting dragged at half-time?
1: Look, I think um, Talley's finding the right calibration in midfield at the moment. He's got a number of options, which is a great thing to have. He hasn't had that over the last couple of seasons to be fair, Ricardo, so it's a new issue that he's dealing with. Um, Having said that, when Rufa was starting a couple of seasons ago, the Phoenix fans were going apoplectic. How can he be starting? How can he be captain? And I think what we've seen over the last 18 months or so, um, particularly as Alex has gone out with the ACL injury, is that he does bring a lot of leadership to the table. He does bring a lot of those gelling features, the intangibles, as the Americans call them, um, and brings a settling um, element to the Wellington Phoenix. And to your point, even though he missed a large chunk of last season, he still had the, he was still in the top 10, I think it was, for uh, um, interceptions and uh, play broken up. So those stats lived well on, well beyond his participation in last season. And it's not something that's sexy. It's not something that we cut highlights packages off, but it is something that is fundamental because it's a privilege to play with two ball-oriented uh, players in midfield. And Nico Pennington, for me, was one of the un- sung heroes as part of that Adelaide um, performance where he really did not only disrupt play, but he actually intervened in instances to block Zach Clough, particularly when he was inside the 18-hour box and looked very dangerous. So I don't have the answers, um, and I do trust Tully to get this right, but there is that point that you make. Is it's the balance quite right at the moment? And if the balance isn't right, then how do you get potentially four players that could play in that midfield into those two spots, and it's going to
0: be a bit of a headache for him. Yeah, I think it is. Uh, I mean, at the moment, I would I would assume that it's going to be a Pennington uh midfield combination this week against Melbourne City. Although I suppose, I mean, if you want to get a bit football manager on it, um, you could put Tim Payne in there. Um, he's he's done that job before, and well, is probably more like Alex Rüfa than anyone else we've got.
1: Well, I I would put this to you, Ricardo, because I think Tim Payne definitely made himself comfortable at the back either as right back or centre back. So I don't see him necessarily migrating into the midfield. But why wouldn't you play Clayton Lewis and Nico Pennington? A combination that was settled last year, with Clayton Lewis being one of the decisive factors about when the Phoenix got into back into matches um, early in this season, and being one of the performers, not potentially a standout performer over the last um, couple of seasons. Yes. Vigarkovic is a player that's got a wonderful A-League pedigree and has potential but if he's not quite ready, why wouldn't you go back to what you know?
0: Mm, yeah, that's, that's just a really good point, mate. That's a really good point. Hey, uh, let's talk some uh, Champions League, mate, because uh, we had a full uh, well, half around this morning, another half round tomorrow and, man, uh, some interesting results this morning, particularly Real Madrid losing away at Leipzig.
1: A great result for RB Leipzig and it does throw that uh, that um, group into a little bit of chaos, really, if you want to be uh, kind on Leipzig. Um, they could potentially knock off Real Madrid in the last game of the season, the last game of the group stage, sorry. Um, and that would be a wonderful result for them. Real Madrid did grow back into the game, and I thought um, the eyebrow Carlo Ancelotti would bring that calmness and coolness, and that would um, allow uh, Real Madrid to get back into the match and potentially uh, secure a draw, but that simply didn't happen. Um, and then, unfortunately, uh, Celtic, um, Al-Ange Postacoglu in that group as well. Um, I say Al, I'm going to say Antibody and and Postacoglu. um, Didn't quite get the win that he was looking for. Um, So it does look like Celtic, unfortunately, won't be able to make their way into the uh, Europa League, which is, I guess we were hoping that they would um, fall at the end of the group stage and continue on that European story.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's a That it was a good result against Shakhtar, but when you're at home and you lead 1-0, you should put that away. But I think Shakhtar are a team that really have surprised this year, mate. I mean, you look at the amount of players they lost. Obviously, they're not being able to play in the Ukraine. They're having to play in Poland. Uh, they lost all their Brazilians. So this is a core of guys that have come through the youth system at, at Shakhtar. They're predominantly all Ukrainian. Um, I had them bottom of this group easily and then thought that with Leipzig misfiring in the Bundesliga, Celtic were a chance to get second spot. But boy, couldn't have got that more wrong.
1: <laughs> well, I, I think that speaks to the quality of European football. Ange Bustakoglu, um it wasn't defensive, but he was... Um, very certain that his Celtic side hadn't played badly at all throughout the group stages. And um, they wouldn't change the way that they played uh, to kind of um, bow down to what are perceived to be much better opponents in the group. Um, So they will go out of the group the way they uh, qualified for it. But Shakhtar Donetsk, I think, is probably an unsung story, a subplot of the Champions League this season. And wouldn't it be fantastic if someone's got a camera and has followed them around their preparation how they've dealt with the adversity of uh, playing in a war-torn country and also representing the country. Because Ukraine hasn't qualified for the World Cup, they are effectively the default um, national team at the moment, and they're doing a wonderful job of representing Ukraine in the Champions League.
0: You're not wrong, mate. They're doing a fantastic job of that, Uh, and it it is great to see, as you said. Now, we um, also have um, a bunch of games coming up tomorrow, As well, and that is going to be interesting because uh, there there are more places on the line for the next round of uh, the Champions League. And I want to get from you um, how, from a Liverpool fan point of view, how worried are you about being able to get a result in Holland tomorrow against Ajax, given how the form in the league has been for Liverpool?
1: It's been up and down, and I think we touched on this a few weeks ago, Ricardo. They tried something new. They went to a different formation. They tried to be very expansive. Um, I think Pitt Linders, the assistant coach, was a big influence in that. It hasn't worked. Now Klopp is adjusting. He really is turning away from that start to the season. Um, he's still been affected by injuries, but we've seen a much more um, a, a tighter Liverpool formation. They're much more compact, and they are playing very much through the centre game, which is where they made so much fruit um, over the last couple of seasons. Going to Ajax, up against a another youthful technical IX team um, with an absolutely jumping um, Amsterdam stadium is going to be an interesting proposition. Uh, I think uncertainty probably is the prevailing uh, feeling, Ricardo. Not confidence at all, but it's a European night that we will enjoy um, with two of the... Teams with massive European pedigree are going to go toe-to-toe uh, in Amsterdam tomorrow morning.
0: Well, I mean, a draw here for Liverpool will will uh, guarantee them a place in the next round. Um, but if they lose this, Ajax have to play Rangers last game of the season. And, you know, Rangers have been averages doing them a, a service, a kindness, I think. Uh, and Liverpool will have to play Napoli. So One. It's, it's all on the line it's here, isn't time. it, tomorrow?
1: Yeah, Gordon Glenn Watson needs to plug his ears. Zero points, one goal for, 16 against for Rangers in this group. So they're very much the beating boys of uh, Group A. Um, You're right, though. If Liverpool do slip up tomorrow, it creates an interesting curtain call um, where Napoli could effectively knock Liverpool out by going to Anfield and um, and taking the game to them. Equally, they could simply say, look, we've won the group off the back of um, our first five games. So they could send in... Uh, the youngsters Um, it really is all up in the air and that is why we do love Champions League football because Ajax although they're on the back foot they simply aren't out of this group at the moment.
0: No they're not they're not and uh, yeah it's a game we're looking forward to uh, watching tomorrow I just wish I could watch it with you so I could kind of have one eye on just watching you squirm Jacob as the game goes on.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That Shadden Freud is is horrible. Can we talk about group C though mate because the those people's club are sitting in third with four points. They owe the Spanish people a huge amount of tax, and they could be knocked out of the Champions League. And I would love to see that going full Kevin Keegan on you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, Barcelona, of course, up against Bayern tomorrow. I mean, I look at Barca's results in Spain; they look pretty good. You know,
1: knock it, them out, Ricardo. Knock it, them out. How's
0: this for a Let stat, though, head Jacob? Head. 11 games in La Liga this season. They've only conceded four goals, and three of those were in the Classico against Real.
1: Here's a Champions League uh, record for you, Ricardo. Four games, one win. That's all I need to hear. And they're up against Bayern Munich, the the German juggernaut, uh, who could potentially steamroll them and really um, put them into further trouble financially by knocking them out of the Champions League, which will mean that they not only miss uh, their share of the prize money, but potentially they will also miss huge incentive payments which will be paid out by their sponsors. So this is a massive game for the Blaugrana.
0: Yeah, well, exactly. And it's, it's a must-win, as you say, because international into uh, Inter-Milan, uh, play Victoria Pleasant in Milan, and Pleasant are four games, four losses, conceded 16. They're doing a Rangers.
1: <laughs> and I think that's it, mate. Like, Barcelona are only going to set themselves up Um, with a win tomorrow for a knockout game against Inter Milan where they will have to win again. We can assume that Inter Milan is going to knock off Victoria Pleasant and that, I think, is what we're talking about here. So the guillotine could fall on Barcelona's vote, even with a draw.
0: Yeah, well that that is true. We've got a text from Chris, who I don't know who Chris supports, but um, he is engaged in full schnadenfreude here, Jacob. He said, surely Liverpool will have one eye on the relegation uh, battle against Leeds on the weekend.
1: The relegation battle, why are we picking up players from Leeds? at the end of the
0: season, Ricardo, is that what Chris is implying? I think it might be. I think it might be. Yes. I did did have to say uh, I I, I had to have a laugh and I know this is uh, I've got a a, a couple of good mates that we have a chat group. One's Chelsea, one's Leeds. Uh, So you can imagine how how that flies around. Uh, My my Chelsea mate was like, "Oh, our our, our run before the end of uh, before the World Cup is terrible. We've got uh, Arsenal, uh, we've got Brighton away so it's the Potter derby. We've got Arsenal and then we've got Newcastle away, you know, terrible and our lead uh, supporting friends said, well, you think you've got it bad? We've got uh, Spurs, Man City and Arsenal, I think in three of our next five games and Newcastle, I think for four of our next five games uh, to which my Chelsea supporting friend said, oh, I make the most of it. It certainly beats Reading, and Millwall and Watford. Are you going to be playing this time next year?
1: Have <laughs> <laughs> we turned to, we turn to um, the Premier League, mate? Just quietly, mm. Newcastle United are doing a fantastic job. Obviously, Al Chris Wood is in the black and white, the magpies. They've just stepped, their way, stepped into the top four, Ricardo. So they've jumped in the elevator, mate. They're heading north with Eddie Howe. And I'm not sure if they're going to stay there over the course of the season, but he is doing a stunning job of navigating not only the pressure that comes with the new money from Saudi Arabia, but also... Um, the pressure that comes from the Premier League and the ultra-competitiveness of the environment. If you look at Liverpool, who are eight, um, and they have played one less game, but they're going to go nowhere near Newcastle. They'll only get 19 points compared to Newcastle's 21 if they win their catch-up game. That just demonstrates how quietly he is going about his business um, up at Tyneside. Uh, I think a real... Uh, performance to note from a wonderful manager.
0: Yeah, and just on that, on Chris Wood, um, I, I can see him back at Leeds in January, mate. To be honest, he, he's not getting the game time at Newcastle, and uh, Patrick Bamford at the moment couldn't hit a fly on a cow's ass with a banjo. So they, they Leeds, n- desperately need a striker.
1: Yeah, he's been giving cameo appearances in um, the later stages of games. Obviously, thought of very highly by Eddie Howe, but Callum Wilson is very much the favourite uh, north. So you do have to wonder where Woodsy will go and. Um, he particularly when Ezek has
0: back foot, right? When captain comes back from yeah, injury.
1: exactly, mate. And I think what we we fail to understand at times is that we see Chris Wood, we see him playing in the Premier League, we see him getting paid a huge salary, um, and we think, oh, yeah, he should be comfortable with that. He's not. He wants to play games. He is. He wants to play games and he wants to score goals. So you you do not get to, to be in those environments without um, having the pointy elbows and without being ultra-competitive. So... Um, I'm not sure if he's looking around at the moment, mate. I don't have any inside word on that, but um, it is something very much that I think is a possibility. Uh,
0: Before we let you go, Jacob, uh, we should talk Women's World Cup. I know you were at the draw. I was at the draw. It was a a fantastic occasion, mate. Uh, So all all the great and the good of world football were there. Um, What do you make of the draw for New Zealand, uh, for the football ferns and for New Zealand, which are two different things?
1: For New Zealand, mate, I genuinely don't think we're ready. I think we've had the Women's Cricket World Cup. I think we've had, we're have had we currently hosting the Women's Rugby World Cup, which seems to be starting to spread its wings and, spread its wings and taking flight. I don't think we're ready for the, for the World Cup. The USA versus Netherlands game, which is a repeat of a final, I believe, Ricardo, uh, has sold out within half of an hour, I understand. It is amazing. And that's going to be played in Wellington um, during the height of uh, winter. <laughs> <laughs> you could have a southerly, but you uh experienced the heat of a match played between two of the teams that were previously in a final. Um, the Dutch are going to come down. They're going to storm down and take the capital. The Americans will also want to do a land grab there. Um, I don't think we're ready. I don't think we're appreciating the, the mess and the way in which the world is going to come to our shores. And I really do hope those that are in charge, particularly in our councils and those that are facilitating the fan engagement are prepared for it because they're probably looking at the Cricket World Cup, which is affected by COVID. They're probably looking at a Rugby World Cup, which is to be evolving before our eyes and say, oh, yeah, that's about the benchmark. No, no, the benchmark is around about 50 times what we're currently experiencing. Um, and we've not only got group stages to host, but we've also got knockout and, and a semi-final to host, which are going to be spectacles. We saw record-breaking crowds and attention and investment in the match in France. We saw the game effectively... Um, evolved before our eyes and almost going to compete with uh, men's numbers during the Euros and the way in which England was said it went about doing their business, why do we think it's going to be any different for New Zealand? And that's the thing that I'm currently trying to wrap my head around, having been to the draw and having seen um, the way in which FIFA invests, why do we think it's going to be different? Um, and I can't wait for it, but I just hope that we're ready, Ricardo.
0: Yeah, yeah, same, mate. I same, same. I think uh, it is going to blow some records. Uh, I mean, for for all the attendance records that the uh, for for women's sport that the Rugby World Cup is breaking, I think those are going to get smashed uh, when the Football World Cup gets here next year, and that is to be celebrated, mate. Good stuff, Jacob. Thanks for coming on uh, to this morning, mate. Always good to chat.
1: Lovely, thank you very much, Ricardo. Average broadcaster and very average footballer signing off for our Wednesday morning,
0: mate. Oh, I thought you were talking about me then. <laughs> <laughs>